0: I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head. A safe place to hide a hurting heart. A gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. Sitting here in my big, black, comfortable Leather Papa chair here in my living room. I gotta tell you, I'm feeling pretty good about the progress in the New Night Connections two album. Should be up and ready in probably a week or two. And uh, thank you for the uh, several of you who sent uh, some very kind words about the first two cuts that we played for you in the last couple of podcasts. Gonna have the third cut for you in just a few minutes. But I want to tell you something that might surprise you. I'm glad George Carlin died. And here's why. He had a spectacular life. I met him a couple of times when I was at WNEW in New York. Cause the air staff at uh, WNEW used to MC the Schaefer Central Park concerts in Central Park in New York. And Carlin was the star several times when I was the MC. A brilliant guy. And for all of his run-ins with the forces for good in the community, like that god-awful Al Sharpie Sharpton, Carlin was an extremely ethical guy. Some of his quotes, listen, listen to what he said about war. He said, if it is morally wrong to kill anyone, then it is morally wrong to kill anyone. Period. Interesting, huh? And he nailed censorship when he said, censorship that comes from the outside assumes about a person an inability to make reasoned choices. And it wasn't just funny when he said if everybody knew the truth about everyone else's thoughts there would be way more murders and he made that little face you know it's an interesting point most people remember his al sleep the hippy dippy weatherman But he did some pretty serious stuff, too. He defined broadcast obscenity, and the government never did. They slapped fines on stations for violating obscenity, but they never defined it. George did, with those seven deadly words that you can't say on the air. Actually became kind of a de facto rule of thumb law, that comedy bit that he did. We have a terrible hunger for genuine laughter at ourselves in our society. Political correctness kind of stamps the humor out, you know, and, and, and George fed that need very well, our terrible hunger for real humor. This was his, uh, his bit about God. I don't remember the exact wording, but it went something like this. God is an invisible old man with a long gray beard. He made you, he created you, and he loves you. You can't see him. Of course, you can't see heaven either where he lives. But uh, God has these Ten Commandments. And if you break any of them, he will throw you headfirst into hellfires where you will burn in agony for all eternity because he loves you. Wham! It was hugely funny the way Carlin told it. Of course, you have to be Carlin to tell it that way. But it was also, I thought, a one-paragraph grad school course in theology. Carlin was like all of the great comedians. He made us think. Thinking was the price that he made us pay for for the fun of, of laughing at his bits. In fact, one of his albums was called Occupation Fool, F-O-O-L-E, on the end of the word. The title comes from the fact that the medieval kings usually had a court jester for entertainment, but it must have been kind of an uncomfortable job because more than one court jester lost his head in the process of being too funny, literally, you know, because that could happen if you jabbed too sharp a stick into the conscience of the king. And Carlin had a very pointy stick, and he jabbed it regularly, and he paid the price for it, like Lenny Bruce and and a lot of other people before him. Carlin was the naughty kid who made this class laugh with quick bits behind the teacher's back. And he always stirred his philosophy into that material very carefully. It was a very serious look at life that he had, but it always came with a lot of laughs, which made his pointy stick a little easy to remember, too, for the rest of us. But one comment that almost nobody remembers, because it wasn't funny at all. It was just a statement from, from the heart of the fool. Or was he a fool? What he said was, quote, given the right reasons and the right two people, Marriage is a wonderful way of experiencing your life, end quote. George Carlin's wife was the light of his life. She was his manager for a while, and his lover and his companion, the light of his life, always. She died a while ago. And when she did, I think the naughty kid in Carlin went with her to wherever we go when we go. And what was left of him was standing around here doing stand-up that became more and more dark and and bitter and and old. Because that little kid inside George who used to cut up in class was was gone. And that's why I said, I'm glad that George finally died because George had a trip to take and he he couldn't take us along with him. He he had had to find that that little kid inside. The one who went with the light of his life. I understand. Because I'll bet your life gets awfully dark when the light of your life is gone. Dicks details A bunch of absolutely fascinating but totally unimportant stuff to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping you awake out the other ear and you can nod off comfortably to sleep. A bird's eyes, unlike a human's, keep everything in focus all of the time. And that's why they never miss my car when I just finished waxing it. A New Yorker could eat out every night of his life and never eat at the same restaurant twice, but the tips would be a killer, I think. 25% of American men are six feet or more. I am not six feet, but according to my Lady wonder wench. I sometimes seem to be six hands or more. Well, there they are, dicks details. They take your mind off your mind. Almost ready to publish that new Night Connections album, Night Connections 2. It's a little different, and it's different on purpose. I've been writing about stuff that's going on in in my own head and in my own heart for a long time, and in love and touch, and bedtime stories, and quiet hands, but... This is more about what seems to be going on in other people's heads and hearts as they connect, or or in some cases, disconnect with each other. Most of the time, we don't see it happening. It's like when you watch a little kid grow up. You see him every day, and it doesn't seem like there's much of a change. Turn on, all of a sudden, you know, she's going off to get married, or he's going off to college, or whatever. But... Eventually, those, those little changes, those little everyday changes in, in everybody affects everybody else because we're all connected or disconnected. This is cut three in the New Night Connections 2 album. It's called Poetry, Painting, and Passion. The voices in the other room are quiet and intense. You're almost sure the woman just said your name. You're trying not to listen. But how can you help yourself? You put them together, on purpose. She's an artist and a friend of yours. That's why you invited her for the weekend. She makes a very good living working as a graphics consultant. But her real passions are oil painting, pottery, and passion itself. You've been there, you've seen her eyes slowly close as she shapes the glistening whip pottery clay between her fingers. It's so personal and so sensual that you feel like you shouldn't be watching. You've seen the small droplets of sweat form just above her lips when she's working on the painting that she calls The Lover's First Night. If you were a man, you'd give anything for just a few minutes of that kind of hot, tender lust. You've been married for 10 years now. You two were just kids. Now you have kids of your own. Your husband works very hard and very long hours. He's a chef. He's a good man. And he takes good care of you and the kids. You're taking a few years off from your career as a speech therapist to bring up the kids. It's a calculated risk with the way school budgets have been going. But the youngest isn't even a year old yet, and... Being there for these first vital formative years is more important to you than the money. For the last couple of years, it seems like both you and your husband have been constantly tired. It's not surprising with how tight your schedules have been. The one time you've had sex in the last year was when you got pregnant again. That's why you've enjoyed knowing your artist friend so much. She seems so energetic and vital and so Sexy. You've tried to learn how to be that way again from watching her. It seems to be working a little. certainly is tonight. Listening to those quietly intense voices in the other room. You said you had to get up early so you were going to bed. You told your husband to stay up and entertain her. And you don't hear their voices anymore. Sometimes, silence is the most shocking sound. The space between the notes of a symphony, you know? Ta-ta-ta-boom ta-ta-ta-boom. The ta-tas and the boom wouldn't be much without that silence in there. Space between the words, I love you, you know? It can change the entire meaning of the statement. The seconds when you can't catch your breath while you're making love. I guess that's what she was afraid she was hearing, those silences where the words should be. Anyway, that's called poetry, painting, and passion. It's the third cut from the upcoming Night Connections 2 personal audio CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you want a fresh copy, go on back to DickSummer.com in a week or so, and you can download one from the CD Baby icon. And while you're back there at the website, be a sport. Take a look at the other personal audio CDs. You might find something you like. One last quote from Carlin. He said, sex without love has its place, and it's good. But when you have it hand in hand with deep commitment and respect and caring, it's 9,000 times better. And I know from my own personal experience with My Lady Wonder Wench that wives are not often quiet people. <laughs> I think it was the silence that was killing him. So, go make her giggle again, George.